Non-farm payrolls on Friday less than expected and far from the substantial progress that the Fed has been looking for. A chunk of it will be driven by lockdowns and supply chain disruption. But in Europe, retail spending is also down. Could that be supply chain driven or is it a more cautious consumer? Either way, the recovery is going to be slower and longer than envisaged and Australia is testament to that. But is it all just a temporary blip? We'll look at the flow-on effect from the non-farm payroll numbers uh, today and what it means for the ECB and the RBA, both meeting this week. It's Monday, the 6th of September, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar lost a bit more ground on Friday, losing 0.2% on the DXY, which helped the Aussie. It was up 0.8%, up to 74.6 US cents, uh, doing a lot better uh, than it has for a couple of months. The US dollar lost 0.2% on the Japanese yen and the Canadian dollar, and the pound managed to climb 0.3% against the US dollar. Not much movement in the euro, though. Uh, on equities, the Dow and the S&P 500 slid a little, the Nasdaq up a quarter percent, but big falls in Europe. The Euro stocks 50 lost 0.7%. Bond yields were up just about everywhere, up four basis points for 10-year treasuries. Not a massive climb, I guess, given that yields were uh, higher for a spell uh, late last month. And oil down, a 1% fall in WTI, Brent down 0.8%. So look, uh, a lot of this obviously coming from non-farm payrolls, which came in a lot lower than expected on Friday. Uh, Payrolls rose by 235,000 in August, way down from the month before and well below expectations. Uh, So let's talk about that uh, with Tapa Strickland from NAB in Sydney. So how much of these moves can we pin on that? I mean, obviously, the, the, the fall in the US dollar was part and parcel of it, wasn't it? Uh, good morning, Phil. I think uh, most of the moves on Friday were in reaction to that non-farm payrolls report. And just worth noting that although non- non-farm payrolls missed expectations at 235,000 versus 733,000 expected, the whisper number within markets was for a weaker print. And that was mainly based on the weakening that we had seen in the high frequency data, such as home base. So when you actually look at those market moves, as you're now announcing in your intro, they were relatively modest uh, for the size mm. of the miss on non-farm payrolls. Uh, And I think the other thing playing into that view is um, underneath the surface of the report, um, there are upward upward revisions to the prior two months. So I'll suggest heading into the report, heading into the Delta variant, uh, the US labor market was actually ticking on at a pretty decent pace there. Um, And most people think the impact of the Delta variant, at least in terms of hiring, is going to be of a temporary nature. And so that's probably the reason why markets... (laughs) Right, really? Markets didn't didn't react as much as perhaps you would have first thought. Um, And indeed, you had yields uh, rising actually um, um, shortly after uh, the numbers printed there. Right. and I guess I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to scoff. But what makes people think that it, it will be that the Delta variant will be temporary? I mean, if, if figures have been revised up to say things were so much better than they were before the Delta variant started to get its stranglehold, uh, what's to make it? Because obviously, this is a lot of this is supply delays, isn't it, which is driving this? That um, and are there any signs that that's going to get better in a hurry? I wonder. Yeah. So there's 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 two factors there. So the um, the first one is that the participation rate was unchanged, and a lot of people looking towards the participation rate lifting over the next uh, coming months uh, due to two factors. So one, uh, appearing back in the enhanced unemployment benefits uh, that I think ended on the weekend. And the second one Mm. is a return to in-person schooling, uh, which should free up people who had caring responsibilities uh, in terms of uh, teaching uh, from from home uh, and uh, supervising children. So uh, the hope is over the next couple of months uh, that the participation the participation rate picks up uh, and that more people return uh, to the labor market. Uh, But in terms of um, Fed implications, clearly the pace 
of payrolls gains has slowed, um, and that has yep. been due to the Delta variant. So that probably pushes back uh, Fed tapering uh, by by months. So um, probably not enough to make a tapering announcement at September, and so probably pushes it back towards the November or December right. months. But if, if economies continue to lock down or supply chains continue to disrupt, there's no guarantee on that, is there? And look, I guess we get the beige book in the middle of this week as well, don't we? So that might be quite useful this time to get sort of like insights into... Uh, you know, because it, it obviously goes around the country, region by region, and you get insights into into what's really going on a little bit deeper down, don't you? Oh, definitely. And I think the other one, uh, the sorry, the other two that will be worth looking at is uh, job openings. So uh, job openings coming out on Wednesday, and we know from the last report at least uh, there were more jobs open than there were unemployed people in the US. Um, so it does suggest uh, on the eve of the Delta variant uh, sweeping through the US that there was very strong labour demand. Uh, and the other side will be jobless claims because um, uh, m- most of the thought around the weakness of, t- of Friday's non-farm payrolls report was on the labour supply side rather than the labour demand side. So we'd be looking towards uh, no real rise in uh, jobless claims on Thursday to back up that case. And inflation, is that still an issue? Because those payrolls numbers showed average hourly earnings rising by 0.6% on the month, which was double what was expected. Yes, the wages is very hard to interpret. There's a lot of compositional effects uh, going through that report. But what we can say is over the past uh, six months or so, uh, wages have surprised on the upside uh, in most of the payrolls reports so far. So I think that keeps alive some of the risks in terms of the inflation outlook. But um, most of the outlook in terms of whether Fed is seeing it, is still viewing it within that uh, temporary nature. And probably supportive of that temporary nature actually came from the other side of the globe on Friday in the Kaisen Services PMI out, out of China. And while a lot yeah. of focus was on the headline, where the services PMI missed uh, coming in at 46.7 versus uh, 54.9 in July, um, output prices actually fell in, in August, and that followed right. um, a pretty solid um, increase over the past couple of months. Um, and it was only a slight fall, uh, but the important thing is it was a second fall within three months. And uh, according to the survey, at least, um, it was due to efforts to attract and secure new business uh, that had led firms to reduce output prices over the months. So does tend to play towards that transitory nature in terms of prices, at least in China. But that's a bit confusing, isn't it? Because if they're saying, we've got to drop prices now to sell stuff, I mean, all the time we've been saying, well, actually, it's, it's, it's supply is the big problem. So but they're not saying, well, okay, there's that demand is an issue if that's the case uh, yes and that's what we've been talking about for a while um, is about to what extent does demand normalize um, just given how elevated uh, demand is for various categories of consumer spending uh, and I think that's going to be very important to watch uh, over the next coming months and obviously this this was the services PMI but this is more prevalent on the good side of the economy yeah all right now Mario Monti who was the uh, the Italian Prime Minister back in uh, 2011 for, for a few years he was on CNBC on Saturday. Uh, he reckons that central banks uh, pushing ahead with their support and fiscal stimulus from governments is going to push up inflation. Uh, then there's going to be constraints on production, and that's all going to lead to stagflation. Could it be right? Or I mean, from what you're saying, no, this is all, uh, and you know, the, the line from the central banks. Obviously, all of this is transitory, and uh, it will find its level. Uh, you'd have to say Mario Monti isn't the only one in that view, and Summers is probably uh, one of the most uh, highest proponents yeah. of that view, of course. And uh, I guess it really comes back down to um, your view of inflation, whether uh, you think the pickup in inflation that we've seen is likely to be transitory or, or not. And there's some pretty good arguments to think why it would be transitory. Um, the two key reasons is uh, the pandemic focused a lot of 
a lot of demand on the good side of the economy and that as the economy starts to reopen, notwithstanding the Delta variant, then you should start to see consumers pivot away from goods uh, more towards the services side of the economy. And and indeed, you've seen that in some areas. So uh, lumber prices, which we've talked about before on the morning call, have fallen back back to their pre-pandemic yeah. levels now. So that's one classic uh, case there. Uh, and the other factor for why is, is you expect supply chains to start to uh, normalize, although there are some signs that um, those supply chain impacts are going to be a little bit longer in terms of nature. Now, that doesn't explain the wage inflation, though, does it? And we're seeing that all over the world. Uh, yes, yeah, so the, the wage, wage inflation is interesting, and uh, it's it's unclear about exactly whether that's coming through the compositional effects, at least out of the US. Um, for example, when you look at Australia, at least in terms of wage inflation, you didn't see too much mm. in the way of wage inflation, even though you had employment above pre-pandemic level. So it's not the case where you're seeing a lot of wage inflation um, everywhere. All right. So the ISM services number, that was uh, pretty much where it was in July, wasn't it, in the United States? A, a very strong 61.7. So there's a there's a sign the economy is uh, is moving along well. Uh, the market's pretty much ignored that, didn't they, really? I guess, I guess because they were too, you know, too busy responding to those non-farm payrolls numbers. Oh, yes. And I think within the US ISM services report, there's also reinforcing that side where the demand for labor is still very strong. And a lot of the uh, slowness in terms of hiring, especially in the August payrolls, was due to uh, labor supply. And um, when you look through the anecdotes, it was absolutely replete with uh, labor shortages and businesses screaming out that they can't hire workers. And indeed, I was just looking at the weekend press in the US and um, there's been a few stories highlighting that McDonald's and Burger King uh, can't hire enough workers and are opening up jobs to those aged 14 and 15 um, years. Um, so um, yeah. just trying to basically uh, scramble for workers. Um, so that does tell you that something is happening on the labor supply side of the economy. Yeah. And yeah, they were also having supply shortages in the UK. They couldn't get milkshake. I mean, what is the point of going to McDonald's if you can't get a milkshake? Pointless, if you ask me. Uh, look, in uh, Europe, retail sales were down 2.3% in July. So, I mean, um, weren't we all expected to be spending like crazy as economies opened up? Um, that doesn't seem to be happening there. Uh, yeah, so I think the each month is going to be pretty volatile uh, as spending starts to normalise from here. Uh, and you've got some really unusual seasonal patterns um, occurring here. So you probably want to see a couple more months of data just to see exactly yeah. how that pans out. But I think the um, underlying fact is in most places around the world, the level of retail sales is well above pre-pandemic levels. So you would expect to see some normalisation. Right. It's choppy, isn't it, in other words? Talking about choppiness, I mean, oil prices, uh, they were down on Friday. Look, if they're going to add 400,000 barrels a day uh, each month, adding 400,000 extra uh, in an environment where production and demand is slowing, if it's anything more than temporary, then they're going to hit a surplus pretty quickly, aren't they? I guess that they just uh, they, just, they just pull it back, don't they? I guess that's the beauty of running an oligopoly. You can just change the, change supply. Uh, yes, 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 that's right. So let's talk uh, central banks now, because the RBA and the ECB both meet this week, a big week for them. So look, the RBA, are they going to stick with their tapering plans, given the rising infection numbers and lockdowns continuing? And similarly, with the uh, will the ECB, uh, what will they do? Will they signal that they are going to reduce their pandemic bond buying program? I think both the RBA and the ECB will be very interesting and very close decisions there. And uh, we think the RBA will continue with its uh, scheduled taper to the 
pace of bond purchases to four billion a week from the current five billion a week, and that's primarily based on our view of a pretty sharp rebound in the economy once restrictions ease in uh, Melbourne and Sydney. And encouragingly, on the back of that, um, the New South Wales Premier has been saying for uh, a number of weeks now that she expects to substantially ease restrictions in the middle of October uh, when New South Wales is expected to hit that 70% full adult vaccination rate. And indeed, um, most states should be around that level around uh, October as well. So that should see some easing of restrictions and that should allow um, activity to rebound from there. Um, but as we saw from the RBNZ uh, a couple of weeks back, um, mm. uh, reducing stimulus uh, when you do have um, a lockdown um, is optically hard. And so I think that's the reason why it's going to be a close decision. But we think the RBA will stick to its uh, more optimistic assessment there. And then as for Europe, we have heard a few hawkish soundings from um, a few of the Dutch and the Austrian uh, central bank officials. And uh, the consensus there is that the ECB will uh, pull back on its pace uh, of uh, bond buying um, uh, from its current um, 80 uh, 80 billion pace uh, down towards more of the 60 to 70 billion pace. But I think that will be quite interesting to watch. And um, President Lagarde will also be watched very closely in the Q&A exactly to see whether that tapering occurs and uh, to see what the pace of the tapering uh, could be in the future as well. Well, uh, talking about Europe, we get Europe uh, European investor confidence today. Also, we get German factory orders, UK construction PMIs. Close to home, Josh Frydenberg is going to be talking today about how Australia is going to adjust, given the uh, the trade problems we've been having with China, by selling to other markets. What a great idea. I wonder why no one had thought that before. Uh, we're also going to get the uh, the ANZ job ads for August as well. Uh, well, guess what? They're going to, they, they will have fallen, won't they? That's an easy one to read. Uh, definitely. It's very, very quiet. And just worth noting that it's uh, the Labor Day public holiday in the US and Canada. So I think mm. markets are going to be very, very Quite today, and indeed, uh, we may see continued uh, uh, reaction to those non-farm payrolls prints on um, Monday and Tuesday because yep. of the uh, public holiday in the US Absolutely. and Canada. All right, very good. We'll leave it there for now. Then, great to talk, Tapas. Catch you again very soon. Thank you. Cheers. Uh, thanks, Phil. And that's Monday morning on the morning call. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.